Welcome to The Table Underground. I'm your host, Tegan Engel, and we're digging deep into stories of food, radical love, and creative social justice. For today's show, we turn things upside down a bit in a great partnership with Lucy Gelman and her show, Kitchen Sink. For this episode, I got to answer more questions than I asked and talk with three of my favorite partners in economic justice work here in New Haven, Connecticut. Take a listen and let us know what inspires you. A quick note that today's show was recorded in a new studio and we had problems with one of the mics. Apologies to Oni, one of our guests, and to the listeners that his voice is a little lower than other people. We'll definitely have it figured out better for next time. Hey, New Haveners, and welcome to the first ever collaboration between Kitchen Sink and The Table Underground with Tegan Engel. I hope it's the first of many, actually, and, and we'll get yes, into yes. that. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so I'm going to tell you who's in the studio with us today before we get started. I'm just going to go around the table in no particular order, but sitting across from me is Caroline Smith. She is a person of many talents and currently the co-founder and co-executive director or executive director of Collab, Caroline? Uh, Co-director. You can take the executive (laughs) out of it. (laughs) Okay. Maybe that'll be after a couple years. A relatively new uh, organization in New Haven, and we'll get into that. Then I have Margaret Lee, who is the co-director with Caroline Smith of Collab. Is it Collab or Collaboratory? Uh, it used to be collaboratory, and, and then we collab. took out 60% of it because everyone was calling it collab. Oni Obiacha, who is a fellow at Dwight Hall sure, at Yale a bit, yeah. and uh, and works at, is the director of, I don't know. The sure, no, this is the all right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the, the grand poobah at uh, <laughs> breakfast, lunch, and dinner, um, which <laughs> does a lot of very cool things. And then I have Tegan Ingle, who is also a woman of many talents. She is a food justice warrior head of the table under or host of the table underground with tegan ingle which is both a beautiful website and a podcast on wnhh community radio um where i met her and yes. so welcome to all of Wait, you we have to introduce you and we have yeah. lucy gelman oh i'm who lucy is gelman yes <laughs> fabulous journalist and the editor of the arts paper yes. and, and host the host of, of the kitchen sink of yes of kitchen sink oh. and so um so, if you're just joining us, you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven, streaming live at www.newhavenindependent.org. I'll do that a couple times during the show. Anyway, <laughs> and today we're getting together to talk about something that actually there has already been an article on in the arts paper and, uh, and then was shared in the New Haven Independent. But something that's really exciting to me, it's a food entrepreneurship meetup that's going to be happening again a couple times over the next several months. And um, and I just want to know more about the genesis of this project and then where it's going to go from here. So, Tegan, I actually want to start with you, not just because uh, you're sort of my partner in crime radio-wise on this program, but also because I know that you have been in food in the city for a very long time and so have that longer outlook that maybe some of us here at the table lack. Sure. So there is a very active food scene in New Haven. A lot of people refer to New Haven as a foodie city, Mm. and we have great restaurants here. But we have a lot of food businesses that are looking for space that's hard to afford to rent or looking at for resources about how to start a food business, like the legal things, the permitting things. And it's really hard to figure out on your own how to do that. And so for many years, I think like almost eight or nine years, 
various groups in the city in partnership with leaders like at economic development at the city, but also community members have been trying to figure out how to support food businesses in New Haven. And walk us, or walk listeners and, and walk us at the at the table uh, through s- what some of those initiatives have been, because I know you and I have talked about that a little bit. Sure. Uh, one of the big things was that um, the Economic Development Corporation and the City Office of Economic Development have been trying to start a kitchen incubator, which is essentially like a really large uh, commercial kitchen that lots of different people, businesses, and individuals can rent so they're not having the overhead of a whole storefront by themselves, which could be like $1,200, $2,000, $3,000, $4,000. They're paying for the time that they need to use and sharing a big commercial in, uh, kitchen and then sometimes also getting support in, in terms of how to start and how to run a business. And so that was sort of the idea that a lot of people were going after. They are, they're happening around the country, everywhere from the Mission in San Francisco to the Bronx in New York City um, and all the places in between. And so that was the idea to do that. But that takes a lot of money Mm -hmm. to get that started. And so when the first idea came up, there was a kitchen down in Gateway Community College on Long Wharf. And Gateway was moving to their new beautiful facility downtown. And they said, hey, what can we do with this kitchen down on Long Wharf? We have all this equipment. It's a big space. There's a huge parking lot. It's right at the junction of Interstate 95 and 91. Let's take this opportunity and start something. So we got to the point of having multiple community meetings and architects were in there and we were putting plans together and a group of students had done research on like all the kitchen incubators in New Haven, I mean, in the country and different models. And so it was really far along. Literally, I was in the kitchen with the architects deciding like, where's the loading dock going to go? Where should we punch a new hole in the wall kind of thing? And... We thought it was going to happen. Like hundreds of people around the table, we'd gathered all these food entrepreneurs from across the state who were looking for space and helping to guide the process. And then the building got condemned. They said the roof was, there was something unstable about the roof. And then I think the state owned the equipment. And so basically the whole project fell apart from there. And so it went from being something where most of the resources were there and they just sort of needed to get it off the ground, hire a few good people with vision to get it started. It then turned into now we need a million dollars to build out a kitchen or $600,000 to build out a kitchen. And where with all the projects and all the needs in the city, Where were they going to get that money and was that a priority? And so it went from being something that seemed like it was just going to jumpstart with most of the the things they needed to get it started there to being something that was a lot more difficult to get started. And so people had been going around looking at different spaces like the Armory where Art mm-hmm. Space does really amazing installations. But that's a huge building. Well, and it's it's probably, I mean, I, w- I was just talking to Matt Emerson, who's the city's chief economic administrator about this. And he said, you know, you're looking at tens of millions of dollars to rehab that building and the kitchen is part of that building rehab, but right now it's not totally safe for someone just to totally. be in. No, I part never of the thought building. it was a yeah. good idea. I don't think that space is the right space for this kind of project. And so, basically, like even though people have continued to have a desire to do this because there's a clear need for it and um, and it's a good idea, there the reality of it getting off the ground is not very likely at this point. And so. Because I work in food and had been gathering groups of food entrepreneurs around and saw that there was a need for this, I kept kind of looking at, like, what are some other ideas? And last year I was in New York City for the Just Food um, Conference, which is an amazing organization in New York City, and it's a great conference if anyone's interested in food justice work and getting inspired. I I suggest checking out that conference. And I met a woman named Davida Davison, who is the head of Food Lab Detroit, and she was a keynote speaker. 
and I spoke to her at the conference and I was just incredibly inspired by the way that they were doing this work in Detroit because they were taking the opposite approach. Instead of trying to fund the building of a really big facility, they looked at how do we use the, the wisdom and resources we have in our community to um, build connections, build relationships, and grow the resources sort of from the ground up, which is the way that I've done all of my <laughs> other work in New Haven. So mm -hmm. it completely resonated with me in terms of how I think that this work could really be successful. Was it like something shifted or, or was it like, oh, yeah. Oh, it like, was totally yeah. obvious. I just hadn't, I mean, I think it's sort of informally the work that we were trying to do for a bunch of years through the Food Policy Council where yeah. we were bringing people mm -hmm. together, um, having potlucks together, sharing information. It's just that we sort of didn't make a, we didn't really have enough people to run all the different things we were doing. And that was the one that had sort of fallen to the side because there were more health advocates at the table than food entrepreneurs. I was sort of w the one food, I'd owned food businesses, been in the food industry for decades. And, um, and so I was sort of one of the only people leading that. And so there was sort of this like, wonderful synchronistic thing that happened which is that like Davida came we invited uh we asked Yale to invite Davida to come for a um right for this event and Oni's been doing food entrepreneurship up in Hartford and in New Haven for many years and so it sort of was like you know more good people coming together and then Margaret and Carolyn are doing this general entrepreneurship stuff to support all different kinds of entrepreneurs and so I think it's like this wonderful synchronism of like excited people with passion <laughs> and a lot of common vision about how to how to build community and grow entrepreneurship and and kind of take this new approach to specifically work on food entrepreneurship. Yeah, I think that's true. I want to unpack that a little bit. So Oni, I, I want to come over to you and talk a little bit about your involvement with this and breakfast, lunch and dinner as well, because um, when I think of you, food entrepreneurship is maybe not the first thing that jumps into my mind. But of course, it's something that you do. And, and it's something that you've been doing for a while. You worked uh, with Vishal Patel of the Happiness Lab. I know you've done other um, other projects in town and in Hartford with food entrepreneurship. So when you were working with Tegan on this specific project, what what were some of the things that jumped out to you? Um, so for me, I think I can't really say I'm working with Tegan. I think like Caroline, Margaret, and Tegan just dragged me along for that. <laughs> and I just really appreciate it. Okay. Um, but I think for me, when I think about food entrepreneurship, especially what I found in the Happiness Lab is our ability to bring a dynamic group of people together to do mm. whatever they love, um, and just having a retail food space to do that in, I think is the most accommodating and most friendly, and I and maybe the most socially and economically powerful for a community. Um, so kind of doing that work, we kind of looked out outside of that, took that idea of the Happiness Lab and brought that to the No Good Market and building out Hartford and what we want to see as an outdoor uh, food market that allows for, again, this idea of social and economic development through clear pipelines for success, right? So partnering with a commercial kitchen across the street to give food entrepreneurs access to a kitchen and then distribution at the market, uh, to have uh, work with the, the Friends of Community Park and have some low-income youth at um, and the north of Hartford actually build our furniture for the milk and mm. market. And so these things that we want to be intentional in building out love and the sense of empathy in all our programming, especially around food, and food is the ability to get people around the table to do different incredible things. Um, so it's it's been a fun process so far. But I'm, okay, I'm going to put you on the spot uh -oh. because <laughs> I know that one of the things in our, um, both our, you know, our, like, personal friendship but also professionally working as colleagues 
you've said to me from time to time, like, that's a great idea, but how are you going to monetize it? Yeah, yeah, and so, yeah. okay, so I, I want to get yeah. a little into the nitty gritty yeah. and how you're thinking about this from a fiscal aspect because food entrepreneurship, it's kind of, a, so I work in the arts and like the arts broadly, fine performing culinary and everything outside of that. Um, but in the arts, everyone wants to talk about like how warm and fuzzy it mm -hmm. makes us feel. And then no one wants to talk about the money aspect. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so I'm going to make you talk a little bit about the money aspect. And, and Tegan, Caroline, and Margaret, I'm going to make you all talk a little bit about that as well. Yeah, so this is actually, uh, it's pretty interesting. When I first proposed this idea to Tegan, you know, we were saying like, okay, we need pizza, we need beer, how are we going to get it done? And I kind of told her, I was like, the pizza is going to be my tithes to New Haven. Like, mm. I'm just going to pay for it. Because I think there's a real opportunity and Tegan's happy, like, gracious enough to help me split down the middle on that pizza bill and Atticus donated beer. But I think it's, and we got the space free from John Martin. Um, but I think it's like this interesting ability to say that if we build it, right, and have a skeleton of what we need and at, if it provides value, then we can monetize it and make mm. it sustainable in a variety of ways. Um, and, and when I think of that, I'm really invested in organizations like ULA, right, that aren't a nonprofit, that aren't a for-profit. And so we should say for listeners, Unidad Latina en Acción, which is an amazing uh, group based in, uh, I think, based out of Fairhaven. Fairhaven, yeah. yep. But um, but that does incredible organizing all over the city and and really all over the state at this point. Yeah, and the sustainability for them is the passion around what they're doing, right? Um, so for me, I really think the food entrepreneurship meetup is an opportunity to not be officially incorporated in any way, but just give power to all the people in a variety of ways. Um, so we're not because a lot of people are like, well, you know, there's Yale resources you can bet to it. Yeah, that's true, but if it's on the foundation of Yale resources, then what if Yale doesn't want to provide the resources for right. it anymore? You know? So I really want to say, okay, how can we as a community look at the opportunities and the resources and the wisdom that we have around us to build something sustainable, essentially for us, by us? Well, I think there's so much power there. And there is, I have so many questions, but there is the question of, you know, do you ever want to be beholden to an institution and I guess for me, is that something that all of you or any of you thought about when you were embarking on this project? So yes. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I can tell you for me it was a hard no, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I just don't. I think we all share that. I yeah. just don't think it's, I just, I, I want to see if we could do something differently. Um, and, you know, as much as I, you know, Yale pays my bills, I, I'm not going to shy away from that fact, but I think there's also an opportunity to have a lot of power and a lot of discourse, a lot of discussion or outside of um, this idea that we need to have an anchor institution really supporting all of our needs and that there's not enough resources in the community to get what we want to get done done. And I should say everyone at the table has a different relationship with Yale University, which is kind of interesting. Uh, Tegan, you and I are both townies, mm -hmm. although I have been paid by Yale in the past. I've worked I was for paid Yale one year in, there also, the so I saw it from the inside. Yeah. <laughs> um, Caroline, you are a Yale graduate. Margaret, are you also a graduate of Yale? Yep. Okay, yep. Same year as Caroline. And Oni, you, you work with Yale right now. Sure. You work yeah. for and with Yale. For and Yale. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone at the at the table has a different relationship with Yale, which I think is actually a, a very good thing. But did that sort of enter into the discussion at all? Or, you know, Caroline and Margaret, do you feel like Yale, like it was great, it's something that I know both of you still have a relationship with, but kind of like college was then and it's done and now I'm doing my own thing. 
Yeah, I mean, for this particular event, um, I don't think it came up for us at all. Like, we, we didn't think about Yale as a resource. I think the only connection that we had to Yale was Oni, and for you just heard him talk about sort of his relationship with that. So for us, we were really excited to just do something super just, like, for people mm-hmm. more than the institutions, um, and that, was, that made things a lot more fun, um, too. And also, to build off that, I think oftentimes institutions sort of inevitably come in with assumptions. And Mm -hmm. I think my favorite part about the event is that it already felt and it was understood that it was unfinished. Like on the board, there are a bunch of different sheets Mm -hmm. where people were putting post-its to immediately, as soon as they entered the space, like inform what the next space was going to be. And that was really exciting that it was like half painted. Right. But I mean, for me, like the institution wasn't just about Yale. It was also about the city. It was also about Mm -hmm. nonprofit organizations. Mm -hmm. It was also about businesses. So I think the idea is that it it wasn't supposed to be owned by anybody. It was supposed to be owned by everybody. And that Mm -hmm. the whole premise of how we do this different. And I think like the reason we all came together is we I think we all have sort of the same assumptions and vision about like how to build business and how to build community and work with each other, which is why we were like, let's make it fun. Mm -hmm. Let's honor the wisdom Mm -hmm. that exists in the community. Let's build, let's create environments for people to build relationships, Mm -hmm. share information and share resources and, and think about it in like, be thoughtful about it. So like a lot of economic development work is focused downtown, Mm -hmm. right? Especially around food. People are like, let's come to fancy restaurants downtown Mm -hmm. or let's like have, you know, food production kind of on the two commercial, larger kind of wholesale commercial strip Mm -hmm. areas. And I think all of us have a vested interest in how do we have economic development happen everywhere so that you're growing vibrancy in all the different parts of the city. And, And then people are, if you look at like racism and race and economic inequity, if you let people create, if you support people in creating businesses where they live, they're going to hire the people they know. They're going to then have ripple effects of other businesses around them. And so it's a way of building economic um, justice and building community kind of in all these different places. So I think that's a lot of the intention behind kind of how we're thinking about this. Something I'd add to that is I think one thing that's helpful about us not coming in as our institutions is it allows us as a group to be really fluid and permeable. Um, I think some guiding principle, at least for us with CLAP, has always been the individuals that are affected by the decisions ought to be the decision makers. And therefore, we're really interested as a group in being fluid to allow other people to come in and and build it with us. So that actually leads to my next question. But first, I want to remind listeners, if you're just joining us or if you've been hanging out with us here on WNHH, this is a hybrid episode between Kitchen Sink and the Table Underground with Tegan Ingle. Excuse me. Too many T's. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 New Haven, streaming live at www.newhavenindependent.org. Um, so one thing that I wanted to ask all of you about, we're, we're talking about food entrepreneurship, and I'm here with Caroline Smith, Margaret Lee, Oni Obiacha, and Tegan Ingle, and I'm Lucy Gelman. One of the thing, things I wanted to ask all of you about is outreach. Um, so something I love is that this is a rotating event. Uh, the first one was at the Bradley Street Bike Co-op in East Rock um, that is run by John Martin three weeks ago, about three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And um, and the second one is in Janu- mid-January, January 16th, at somewhere totally different. And so how are you choosing locations? And then also, how are you telling the community about these activities? Yeah, so... Um, <coughs> I first heard about the Urban Collective, where we're going to have the next one in the New Haven Independent, um, and I realized.
realized that Carol and Margaret and Tegan already had some of a relationship with them and Tegan, um, I did find an opportunity to kind of just book some dates off in their calendar. So I just called and confirmed that. And then that's how do, I knew it always wanted to be rotating, but I think it was just a matter of them being at the right place at the right time. And I'm a huge fan of female-owned, black-owned businesses, mm-hmm. especially for that being co-working space. Um, so I think it'd be powerful. I think on my end, um, I, I could do a lot more in terms of outreach to organizations um, and food owners or just foodies outside of the downtown area. I had something as simple as, like, this is the first time that, I guess the first out of two times, that we're actually going to have the flyer translated into Spanish, which is something I'm really excited about. That's great. Um, and then work with people in the Fairhaven community, Dixwell, New Hallville, and just be a lot more intentional in making sure they're there and that they also know this is a resource for them. Um, so I think outreach is something that, I mean, we've had conversations, Caroline and Mark and I have conversations about, like, where do people even find information? Right. So like just trying to find pipelines mm-hmm. and even build the pipelines if necessary to go out in these communities to make sure outside of community management teams, city hall, anything outside of that, how can we make sure people who need this information have access to it? I'm actually so interested in some of the answers that all of you have come up with, because it's something that I find myself asking every day. You know, how how are we finding out information? So we being the Arts Council of Greater New Haven and the arts paper, how are we taking in information and figuring out what to write about, but also how are we getting out information into the community and saying, we want to be in your neighborhood, your voice really matters to us. So what were you finding as far as, you know, there there of course are the networks like Facebook, there's email, there are e-blasts, but not everyone uses the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there are community management teams and sometimes attendance at those is great. You'll mm-hmm. get like 45 or 50 people. Then sometimes you get like 10 people. So what, what were some of the things you found? Something, um, the kind of model that Collab uses and therefore the meetup also uses is it's, it's trust-based, it's mm-hmm. relational-based. Um, and so uh, that means identifying and, and, and finding folks in individuals and organizations in neighborhoods that know their neighborhoods best to be the individuals to spread the word. Um, and so for Collab, and I think this will be true for the meetup, um, and for those of you guys who that don't know, Collab is a boost program for New Haven entrepreneurs. Um, essentially, we have a, a program where early stage entrepreneurs can receive some funding and some mentor- mentorship and some resources to get their um, business to the next level. And so we have a lot of people who refer folks to us. Um, and that can be as simple as like, talking to the folks, talking to Will over at Iris, and him, he just sends emails. Mm. Um, it can be talking to our buddy, Diari Alec, who we went through the Neighborhood Leadership Program with, and he just texts us names and numbers of individuals that he hangs out with and young entrepreneurs who are interested in, um, in kind of building capacity through, through, through building their venture. Um, and so I think that's where we've achieved the most success. Management teams are a part of that, just organizations that already have established knowledge and trust of their neighborhoods and, and doing outreach from there. Yeah, and I, I would say that I find that I totally agree with you in that the best success that I have in, in cre- helping to create racially and economically inclusive groups is a lot of personal contact with people. And so a lot of people, I would like text them and message them on Facebook. I would remind them and, and just let them know. And I think when people get that personal invite, um, like I reached out to a lot of food business owners who are people of color who are food business owners in the city. And then also I reached out to a lot of um, kind of older, more established food businesses because mm-hmm. I think it's really valuable to have um, people who've been in the industry for a long time together with people who are just starting in the industry. But I think it's those personal invitations, as you're saying, that really help people come out. And I think there'll be a different crew of people every time because 
you know, people are busy, they can't always come, or if it's in a different location, that's going to draw different people. Different people. Um, uh, so I love that you mentioned both established business, food business owners and um, sort of aspiring food business owners, and then the people who live in the gray area in between, because there's such a big gray area. But I do want to back up Caroline and Margaret and talk a little bit about Collab and, and the work that Collab's doing. So, um, so I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about your sort of the panels that you do and then the events that you're collaborating on and then also your your Friday fund which is something for entrepreneurs to take advantage of and and how all of that sort of fits into this puzzle mm -hmm. yeah totally so um, the panels that we've been doing um, it's a series called uh, stories entrepreneur and it's designed to highlight the successful entrepreneurs in New Haven right now um, who look like the people we want to work with, who come from the backgrounds of the people that we want to work with, and just elevating their stories and, and helping them, pu putting them on stage as role models for a lot of different people. Um, so we've run things like Faith in Entrepreneurship, Youth in Entrepreneurship. Next week we have um, an event with the Community Foundation Fund for Women and Girls, um, All Our Kin, the library, um, uh, for women and mothers in entrepreneurship with that. We, we want to do immigrants in entrepreneurship um, with the Fairhaven Library branch next year. Um, so, and, and these are just themes that we've found matter to entrepreneurs mm -hmm. because one of the biggest barriers for entrepreneurship is not feeling confident that this is something for them, mm -hmm. not having the confidence to call themselves entrepreneurs. So when we put people on stage and we're like, these are successful entrepreneurs in this city doing the work you can do it too. There's something really powerful about passing the mic like that um, mm -hmm. and giving them the confidence um, to pursue this and to call themselves entrepreneurs and to ultimately participate in programs like Collab or come to meetups like the Food Entrepreneurship Meetup. Um, so that's kind of the event series that we've been doing. Um, Friday Fun? Yeah, Friday Fun's really fun. Um, <laughs> it's cute. It's, a, it's our um, kind of tiny grant series uh, that... Um, financially supports early stage entrepreneurs in building a community event to test out their product or service. So for example, if you are creating a sauce with flavors and ingredients from your home country, you could do a taste test on the New Haven Green. If you are dreaming of building a nonprofit that runs summer camps, you could you know, practice, you could use this grant to do a one day basketball tournament at Criscola Park. Um, and our whole idea behind it is that one, another barrier is just very, very tiny startup money to test things out mm -hmm. um, and understand your problem, understand your customer. Um, and we also, one, I guess one other addition is that the only, I guess, limitation of the grant is that that event has to happen on a Friday. And is it like between, because I, I got an email about this, is <laughs> it between like 12 a.m. and 12 a.m. on a Friday? <laughs> I guess. Or is it between like 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. on a Friday? Uh, definitely past 5 p.m. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Um, uh, but yeah, the whole idea is like we believe and dream of of uh, a, a, some kind of some kind of program where entrepreneurs can both simultaneously test out the products and services that they dream of serving in a bigger scale and also contributing to an amazing Friday night in New Haven. And did you, uh, so as the collab team, did you just jump onto this? I guess who approached whom? Um, we were approached by Oni, who was like, hey, y'all want to partner on this together? <laughs> and we're like, 
hell yeah we do and then that's kind of how that <laughs> happened and then and then we i think tegan got looped in um very naturally um because she is who she is um and then we went from there just well, as and this note, was also sort of like something we talked about coming right. out of the davida davison event was like we don't mm. just have her come and be like yay famous person is here it was like this needs to be meaningful and so when he was like well I sort of have the capacity to to like keep this going a little bit, and so that was sort of the intention of bringing this group together around that lunch was to get people turned on to how amazing this can be when it's real cr- community grown and driven entrepreneurship. And then Oni being the awesome yes. person that he is was like, I'll do it. <laughs> so I want to make a note that yeah. when Oni emailed us, he was like, Hey, do you want to partner in an event? And we were like, We didn't even know what it was, but we were just like, Yes, yes, <laughs> right, me too. Oh, very funny. Yeah. <laughs> So, so what was some of the, you know, in sort of rolling this out, what was some of the advice that you took away from your first event? So I, d- I don't mean the event with Davida mm-hmm. Davison, but your first event a couple weeks ago that um, you sort of filed in that mental drawer that we all have for our projects of this is, this is what was really good. This is maybe what could have gone better. I think for me, what was really good is New Haven wants it, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and there's just so much love. Mm-hmm. And I, I always know when I'm in a good spot in my life, especially at events, when I'm just like at a loss for how many hugs I can give mm-hmm. that day. You know? mm-hmm. That's like I was, I was hugging, you know, and it was, it was amazing. <laughs> um, and even the New Haven pizza truck guy, like we were on the pizza, and he came and got like six or seven more boxes. Yeah, dead coffin. Like everyone came through, and everyone had a good time, and it was sloppy and fun, and it was community, mm-hmm. and I loved it. And I think that was the the biggest thing for me. That was the, the definitely the biggest positive takeaway. I think on the other side of air opportunity for improvement, um, as I said before, is just outreach, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really want, like we had um, Bruni Pizarro there, a second year FES um, student who was ready to be a Spanish translator, right? But mm-hmm. no one need her services. And I think like, let's try to have someone need her service next time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and just have these other opportunities to get people who might not think that they're entrepreneurs or might not even be food entrepreneurs, but excited about being a part of this community. And I Margaret, I know Doug at one point talked to you and, and said, I, I really hope that people know about the importance of failure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that people are hearing about the importance of failure, oh, yeah. especially as they start maybe first time or even second time uh, ventures. I talked to the guy, uh, one of the team members who is working on the Verb Energy Bar mm. Uh, of the bar that is now digesting in Oni's stomach. <laughs> and um, and he said, you know, we failed. Before before mm-hmm. we did this project, we failed. And yeah. it's really important to talk about that. What are some of the other things you heard? So I know there was also this amazing just board where people could put up post-it notes with what they wanted to see, with what their ideas were for food entrepreneurship in the city. Well, one thing that I will say, kind of returning to your point, Lucy, about space, mm-hmm. I think that's an important, just because space is such a thing in mm. New Haven, like ownership of space, and therefore when events happen at different spaces, the ownership of that event, I think is just something that we've seen um, in our work with Collab and elsewhere, that it's, it has a big impact. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that you know we want to explore going forward is like, what does it mean to just move this to the Urban Collective for sure, but other neighborhoods like can we have a food entrepreneurship meetup in Fairhaven and how different would that be Um, so that's one thing that sort of like stands out to me um, that sort of cross-pollination of space is something that Caroline and I talk about Mm -hmm. a lot um, something that we think is really important Um, so that's one thing that I would definitely sort of add to the table anyone else 
in terms of failures or good, bad, or otherwise? Well, sort of good, bad, or otherwise, mm. but also some of the things that you saw on that board that really stuck out to you because it was it was like a wonderful mosaic. Mm-hmm. It uh, it was really fun to look at actually. Yeah. So we had just to explain for people there was like different pieces of paper with different questions on them. Um, what were some of the? I'm spacing on uh, some of the. What questions. should the name of the event be? Right. <laughs> <laughs> What resource do you want? What resources have you used? What do you need? I think is one of them too. What I loved about the question of what do you want to name this event or what should this event be called is that it literally was asking people to question the premise of the Mm. event. Mm -hmm. Right. Like question the most fundamental part Mm -hmm. of the event. Like what is this about? What is this about? Mm -hmm. And that is, that's that's amazing. Like, and that's so informative and so helpful. Yeah. And some of the things that came out were like, people would say, oh, somebody was there from Columbus House, which is a resource mm-hmm. for, for people who are homeless. And they're like, well, we have this kitchen that's only used for part of the day. So we essentially have a commercial kitchen that's rentable. And then, you know, getting in conversation with them and saying, great, write that down on a post-it and stick it on the wall because mm-hmm. there's like 15 other people in this room who are looking for spaces to rent. And then they're saying, well, we actually want to start a job training program for a skill building or job training program for people who are homeless who are trying to re-enter the workforce and there are people starting businesses who need kind of entry-level employees and kind of you know starting to make those connections between people and you know some people at a meetup will get in conversation but sometimes not everyone gets to talk to everyone so when it goes up on the wall it's like it increases the number of people who are seeing what are the needs what are the resources and and it just kind of opens up more opportunities for collaboration. Mm. Yeah, and I I think so much of that game, unfortunately, historically, you know, the the who do you know and how do you know them mm-hmm. game has historically been tied up in wealth and therefore it's way too often tied up in whiteness and, and what neighborhoods um, sort of can afford to have these events. And so in, in breaking down the barriers, uh, I think there's something very exciting happening. But, you know, for instance, ha- have you figured out Caroline or, or anyone, maybe what that would take to have an event in Fairhaven? Or are you just going full steam ahead? Oh, well, I mean, I'm sure everybody around the table has a lot of thoughts about it, but the first and most important thing would be to bring in other people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, you know, questioning who's at the table, especially if we're going into different neighborhoods. I mean, that, that, that would be the number one thing for me. Mm-hmm. Tegan, I can yeah. see that you I mean, wanted to hop on the mic. Oh, mm-hmm. no, I mean, I... Th- I think what you just said is right like I think making sure that there's leadership from within the community that's helping to drive what's the what location is good making sure people in that neighborhood are you know people who are really interested in that neighborhood are invited and kind of what how does that whole event go it's it's important that there's leadership from within every community so yeah I would agree moving forward so I want to remind people if they're just joining us or if you've been sticking with us this is a hybrid episode between kitchen sink with me Lucy Gelman and the table underground with Tegan Ingle, you're on WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven, streaming live at www.newhavenindependent.org. So I have something fun as our time winds down. I'm wondering if everyone around the table has a food entrepreneurship idea mm. that uh, <laughs> that's like mm. ready, rearing and ready to go. And Caroline, I actually got this idea from you because mm. you and I talked about it at the event. Did we? We oh did. yes oh my gosh yeah what was your idea oh i um i so if i had unlimited funds <laughs> i would start a food truck called rocket in my pocket <laughs> because it's a, a dick joke um and i i would um i would only have pocket uh 
like pocket foods and they have to be pocket mm. foods they can't be open so like no pita no open pita sandwiches mm-hmm. but like empanadas one day samosas one day <laughs> and it would be different for every day of the week so when i heard pocket foods i thought of like tater tots from <laughs> <seen> a <movie laughs> uh, i mean a tater tot is it's sure, an enclosed I mean, pocket yeah sure okay okay <laughs> so the first thing that's coming to mind um my girlfriend elizabeth is amazing works at youth continuum um, and they were hired specifically to focus on the increasingly growing um, and increasingly visible um, queer um, homeless youth population. And something that we've talked about and we've dreamed of is could we uh, build a space, an ice cream store uh, specifically, uh, an ice cream store that hires uh, homeless queer youth um, to make the ice cream and also it being attached to a, a shelter because we need more beds in the city of New Haven or in, in the greater I, New Haven area. Absolutely in the city of New yeah. Haven. Oh, that's an amazing idea, Margaret. Um, I don't know if I have my own idea, but I did hear about a really great. I don't know if it's great. I have a lot of questions about it, but it it <laughs> it, 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 it piqued my interest. Nice. Um, and it was basically sort of blue apron for the masses. Um, sort of bringing recipes from um, different cultures and Mm. creating a system where people can pick it up ad hoc whenever they Mm. wanted. They don't have to pay for it, you know, like ahead of time. They can just like, hey, like, I feel like I want to cook today. Um, They can just go to this kiosk and they would um, pick up all of the pre sort of like determined ingredients with a recipe and they could um, uh, create a meal for four people for $15. Um, which is incredibly affordable, um, especially for working families. And I think uh, the guy who was talking about it uh, was, um, he wanted to, he was exploring different sort of business models to make that possible. So like reducing branding, reducing packaging, and also doing like, um, like maybe in one neighborhood it's more expensive and it's like subsidizing in other neighborhoods. He had a lot of ideas. I still have a lot of questions. <laughs> He's also working in Boston, so it's not in New Haven. Um, but, I, but I heard about this and I was like, interesting. Mm. I think he would not like being compared to Blue Apron, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. Um, but that's something that comes to mind for me. Um, for me, <coughs> this is a, a direct rip for my, uh, my good friend and business partner, Jeff. Uh, from breakfast, lunch, and dinner. When we were on our road trip, we recently did what we called a Rust Belt Roadie, where we hit a lot of different places. And during this time, we spent a lot of time together. Um, and he, he came up <laughs> with the idea of a lettuce wrap salad, mm. which is just a salad. It, it but, like, it's wrapped in a lettuce. Um, and it's... <laughs> it's <laughs> like the inside-out salad. It's, yeah, it's by huh. far um. one of the... You know what? Portable. Sure, sure. <laughs> Very portable. Um, yeah, that's his idea. And you know what? I love him. He's my good friend. So I support him fully in whatever he wants to do, for better or for worse. But I reserve judgment. And if we're going to do it, I'm, I support him. Yeah. It done. Can you do like cabbage as well? Ooh, I don't know. Or like, know. like something more <laughs> more durable than lettuce? You know what? Mm. He, he, he led with the lettuce. I can text okay. him after this. So let you know. <laughs> um, but it's, it's in his hands. Tegan, you're, yeah. I think you're the most culinarily oriented among mm-hmm. all of us. So Yeah, well, I've owned some food businesses. Right. But, uh, so I would say if money was not a factor and I wasn't raising children, because that would be my other big factor of why I don't own a f- food business at this moment. But my love and passion is also around ice cream. Mm. So um, 
I have loved ice cream and dreamed of owning an ice cream shop for a really long time because I like doing kind of unusual flavors of ice cream and then also have seen some really cool ice cream traditions from around the world Mm -hmm. where uh, like in the Middle East they have these ice cream machines where you can kind of it's sort of like mix in but you drop you pick whatever you want off of like I used to pick blackberries and and like candied pecans and they put it in the machine with ice cream and it kind of makes like your instant soft serve so it's sort of like a mix in that gets blended and then put right into a cup. And then I've been looking at all these kind of empty, there's a lot of soft serve machines around New Haven mm-hmm. in various places that aren't being used. Mm. And I've been talking to, like, there's one at Maison Matisse, there's one at Cafe Romeo, and I'm sort of scoping out, like, I want to play with some ice cream, some some soft serve yes. machines, and think about kind of doing instant ice cream. I do this at home. I make sort of a smoothie and pour it into my yeah. ice cream maker. Ooh. And so you can make ice cream that has no stabilizers in it, no dairy, no eggs, but you can do all kinds of cool ingredients. So I'm sort of interested in that in addition to just like straight up amazing ice cream with unusual flavors. Because we have great ice cream in New Haven, but I will say that for the most part, the flavors are not so innovative. We're sort of, mm-hmm. if you look at the states on either side of us and across the country, there's a lot more innovation in terms of flavors. <laughs> ice cream innovation. Ice cream. Yeah, no, Love seriously. It. Like spices, teas, different kinds Mm -hmm. of of, uh, interesting, you know, salted beer ice cream and stuff like just all different kinds of uh, ice creams that I think we have great ice cream tradition here, but we could get a little more interesting with our flavors. So if money and children were not a factor, (laughs) I would have an ice cream shop. And in the (laughs) the meantime, just as we sort of before we go, I I do want to mention, Tegan, that you have done a wonderful ice cream trail. Yes. Of, of the greater New Haven area sure. and Southern <laughs> Connecticut. And it's, I haven't done it because I think if I, I did it, I w- like at one time I would go into Yeah, shock. there's 28 ice cream yeah. spots on it. So I took my wow. love of ice cream and made an ice cream trail for the greater New Haven area. Mm. So if you do it from one end to the other, it goes from Fairfield all the way up to Cheshire with a little detour to, to East Haven. But um, people can check it out on thetableunderground.com and uh, and check out different spots. And there's also, there's ice cream places and also fun things to do around the ice cream places. So trying to support food entrepreneurship by getting people out into different communities, checking out the businesses and doing more things around those businesses. Great. And, and I just want to say before we leave, what will all of you be doing before the next meetup to sort of get out into the, you know, different communities that maybe you don't know yourselves? Mm. That's a good question. I'm, I want to do a mini food tour of Ooh. Grand Ave. Ooh. I have yet to do that. I bike there all the time in and around the area, but and I had a couple shops, but I haven't been intentional on like going to everywhere. That's a delicious so idea. It's kind of yeah. planned out, but that's something I definitely want to do. I've started just um, reaching out to people I who said they were interested in the last event but weren't able to come, and then asking them to spread the word to other people just to kind of grow the the community of people who are coming. Yeah, and we've been just meeting with a lot of entrepreneurs, um, just one-on-one meetings, um, and a few of them, a handful of them, are food entrepreneurs. Mm. Um, So just continuing to do outreach, talking to individuals, um, and figuring out what their needs are and whether they want to come to the next one. And there's one entrepreneur in particular, Trevor, um, who wants to start a party planning company, but in his past he um, used to make wings on his back porch. So I think he would be someone who would be really Mm. interested in being involved in actually building the meetup next one. Wow. Yeah, you know, one other thing is that it's not only for people who want to start food businesses, mm-hmm. it's also for people who love to eat, people mm-hmm. who have right. marketing skills, people who are just like the person in the neighborhood who tells everyone the cool things to do. So mm-hmm. anybody who's <laughs> interested yeah. in kind yeah. of growing food businesses is welcome to come because we don't only need the business owners, we need all of the whole support system that goes around food businesses to, to be there. 
Well, I want to thank all of you so much. If you're just joining us, I'm so sorry you've missed the show, but this has <laughs> been a hybrid episode between Kitchen Sink and the Table Underground with Tegan Ingle on WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven. We're streaming uh, for like uh, 30 seconds more at the newhavenindependent.org, but you can also catch this if you search for Kitchen Sink with Lucy Gelman in iTunes or if you search for The Table Underground in iTunes. Both are free podcasts taken. If people want to find out more about The Table Underground, how can they find you? They can just go to thetableunderground.com and you can find the podcast as well as a lot of photos, links, and other info there. Great. I uh, and, and Caroline and Margaret, if people want to find out more about Collab, how can they find you? Uh, collabnewhaven.org. And then we're also on Facebook. It's easy peasy lemon squeezy, I think. <laughs> to learn more about the topics and events discussed in this episode, go to thetableunderground.com, where you'll find photos, links, recipes, and much more. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and please write a review on iTunes to help spread the word about the show. And to take us out today, some serious silliness from these fab folks. Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, California, Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Florida, Georgia, Hawaii, Idaho, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Minnesota, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, Nevada. Ohio, Pennsylvania, Texas, Utah, Virginia, Washington, West Virginia, Wisconsin, Wyoming. Awesome, that's a wrap. Goodbye. Thank you guys so much. Thank you.